Support. Support. Support for this podcast is brought to you by the, the Kellogg Innovation Entrepreneurship Initiative. Think bravely. Think differently. Think collaboratively. Everyone always says that's a great idea. I would definitely use it. And you get all this false confidence and you're like, this is going to explode. You just put it on the internet and people are going to use it, right? We tried to do some, you know, social media marketing around it. Word of mouth, we send it through a lot of Kellogg people. Hey, send this out to your friends. And the analytics on like Facebook analytics, for example, said we've reached like 20,000 people and not one person used it. We got literally zero customers, zero. Hello and welcome to My Startup Journey, a show where we interview Northwestern entrepreneurs, builders, visionaries, and classmates. In this episode, we're talking to Eric Lau and Ying Chen of Patch Pro and their idea for combining the world of digital or the world of handiness for millennials. Have you ever had a sink that just won't drain, or maybe you're trying to install a shelf at home, but you're not sure what to do? Most likely you go to a store like Ace Hardware or Home Depot, you ask what you need, call a friend, search on YouTube, or maybe even contact a professional for a lot of money. Well, Patch Pro uses your camera to connect you with a professional, so you're sure of what you're doing and you don't have to spend tons of money. However, the founders don't even really consider themselves handy. And when you grew up, were you a handy kid? Were you building things or not at all? I think I aspired to be handy and so did my dad. So I watched my dad and I fail in a lot of projects on our own. Um, yeah, we were definitely not handy by any means. No one in my family is handy. Um, I'm probably the most mechanical person. I fix everything from computers to, to toilets in my, in my house. But I wouldn't say I'm a handyman by any means. I think we tried to build a deck once without like local certification to actually get approval to build a deck. Um, then we hosted a barbecue after we finished. We thought we finished the deck and the stairs like actually fell apart. I have tried some things like installing my toilet, um, but it did require a lot of research and online perusing to try to figure out how to do it. And I'm not very patient, so I definitely did not enjoy doing that. How did it come about? You both are not handy. You, Yang, made a terrible staircase and Eric just works on toilets and not pretty well. He's pretty shitty at it. <laughs> but how did this idea come about? So the four of us got together in, um, it all started in New Venture Discovery, the initial idea. Um, and the pain point basically from, it started as how to find um, products in big box retailers. That's really how the, how the idea started. And that's a big problem to fix. And our, our solution was, was a big solution that required a lot more than we could, could bite off at the, at the time. So the next problem we talked about was that the millennial generation has a hard time. They're just not as handy as the generation before us. Um, and thought, well, how can our generation become more handy? And, you know, the obvious solution is to, who do you call? You call your dad, you call your uncle, someone like that. Well, what if there was those people at your fingertips um, that could help you? So we were thinking, you know, you walk into a big box retailer like Home Depot or 
Lowe's or something like that, and you try to get help, and it's it's difficult to find. Most people don't know what they're talking about, and so that's kind of how the whole idea meshed. You know, when you're working on something at your house and you need help, it'd be nice to be able to just have that at the tip of your fingers without having to search all over the internet and have many different opinions, just to be able to call that person, show them what you're doing, and have them walk you through the problem. Yeah. Throughout the uh, more <clears throat> honest version of how it actually founded, we were having a bunch of beers like late one night after class at Parlor in the West Loop. And Eric and I were talking about this problem. He was like, man, this problem that we identify is just way too big to solve. We want to stay in the space. Um, and I work in healthcare consulting. And one of the big things in healthcare is being able to talk to a doctor on your phone via mobile device and get a consult. And I was like, hey, if you can talk to a doctor, diagnose an issue over your iPhone or your, your Samsung device or whatever, why can't you do that with home repair needs? And that's kind of like how it first started. You're having some beers, and you discuss all the stuff, and that, and you talk to some friends. But how did, how did you all come together? I mean, obviously you two knew each other because you had classes, cohort, etc. But how did the rest of the team develop? We were all in the same discovery class. Three of us were initially working together, and then after discovery, we brought Yang in. Gotcha. You were in discovery with them. I was. Yeah, I was working on a different <clears throat> group project. We were working on the travel app, which. <laughs> If you ever take that class, you're not supposed to be allowed to do travel apps, but somehow we snuck in a travel app. <laughs> so I remember the I remember when Eric called me to see if I wanted to join the group again. I was in a car driving from like Wilmington, North Carolina down to Charleston, South Carolina, in the backwoods of, of the South and just like why why does my job currently have me driving all around North Carolina in the middle of nowhere in the middle of the night? And Eric called me and like brought this idea. I was like, yes, absolutely. I'm so done with like what I'm doing right now. <laughs> um, I figure our first meeting as a group, we were sitting around Jeff's apartment um, in Wicker Park, right? And yep. John, John lives in Michigan, so we had FaceTimed him. Um, and what did we talk about? We talked about, um, well, the first thing we talked about was how the heck do we take this from something that was like a theoretical academic exercise in a classroom Setting that got a lot of interest is something that we bring into the real world. Like, what is the first step we need to do? So if you think about it, like the first step we need, that we thought we needed to do was develop a product. Um, and none of us were necessarily a quote unquote developer, I'd say. Um, so we weren't necessarily confident that we'd be able to develop a product. So the question was, okay, so what resources do we need? Does that mean we need to find some money to go hire someone or bring in a partner to help develop this product? And we kind of focused around that for a while and ultimately decided, well, you know what? There's a lot of different types of pieces of our service that exist currently. What if as, a, as an MVP, we figure out a way to piece those together in a relatively streamlined manner uh, and try that as a user experience first? You know, I love it, the bare bones. What was the MVP? What did it look like? The MVP was a Squarespace website with an integrated calendar tool using Hangouts as the video feature. And there was a ton of Zapier integrations that we did that were so wonky and so time consuming to set up. Um, and it just evolved from there. We didn't even launch. We spent a ton of time on this, this, this MVP 
We didn't launch with that MVP. We actually changed it again. Um, we changed it to Google Duo as our video service. We found that to be more stable. Um, Zapier got got axed, and then what was our calendar? Acuity. I think it was always Acuity. It was always Acuity. <clears throat> Acuity scheduling. Needless to say, long story short, there was a lot of things we've tr we tried, and we just found through testing that things some things just didn't work. So we just change it. We just change it again. We kept changing it. And when we got finally got to to a point where we could launch, it had evolved pretty rapidly. Pretty differently, yeah. I think we kept changing it because if you think about Hangouts or Duo and you're doing it on your phone, you have to download an app. And that's a huge <clears throat> excuse me, huge barrier to customers actually using it. Um, and it's just watching our friends um, use our, our kind of initial MVP, no matter how much we provided instructions, reminders, like, hey, before your appointment, please download this, here's the link, go download it, never happened, never ever happened. In fact, during one of our first test cases, my our friend Amy, she didn't have enough memory on her phone to even download the app. So then we had to go dust off her iPad and charge it for like 20 minutes and then download it and it was just, it was just such a mess. So what validation did you do? You mentioned that millennials are not as handy. What what data do you have to support that, or how did you go about finding that? It was more of, initially, it was more of just a personal experience thing. Um, you know, I would say more of an intuition that urban areas have a lot of young people. A lot of young people go to the city, and, you know, as far as research behind people not being handy, um, it was more just talking to people. I mean, you ask your friends, I would say, ask your friends in the city of Chicago, how many of them can go and work on their own plumbing or work on their own electrical with any sense of confidence? And I would bet you would find that majority would say they would not want to do that. Yeah, I mean, talking to a lot of friends, it's kind of funny because as we were asking friends about would you potentially ever use a service like this and like how do you what do you do when you have a home repair issue one of our friends in particular Amy was like yeah I've had this broken light that I've been that I bought the ins the replacement for but it's been sitting on my counter for the last six months because I don't know how to install it it's just been hanging out there and we kept hearing stories like that of people having home repair issues that they just kept kind of letting slide because finding someone it's not a huge issue like it's not gonna make your apartment not livable. Right, it's not a broken pipe. <clears throat> yeah, it's not a broken pipe. But there's just a lot of like things that they just let slide. And it's just, they don't have the time to do it. It's too complicated to find someone to come do it. I don't have to pay them. I don't want to pay the money to do it. Just, I don't have the time to do it. And to kind of piggyback on that, so we did research on would you use this service and what do you typically do when things like this happen? And most people, you know, search the internet was like number one. I'm going straight to YouTube, to Google, to try to try to figure this out. Um, so we got a very high rate of people saying, yes, I would use this service because I don't, I wouldn't have to go to YouTube. I wouldn't have to go to Google and, and spend my time searching. I'd rather just at the drop of a dime talk to somebody and have them tell me. It's so interesting to know why. Millennials are or to see that millennials are not as handy as their their parents or their grandparents. I, I don't know that it's 
like our jobs necessarily that we're not as handy. I think there's just so many other things to fill our lives and to do that we just haven't ever had time to develop those skills, nor do we desire to necessarily. So you figure out some of the better tech applications or integrations that you want to do with this piece. You finally get something that you're okay with. I'm, obviously, it's never perfect, but you're, you're good enough, right? So then what's the next step? How the heck do we find customers? <laughs> so everyone, everyone always says, that's a great idea. I would definitely use it. And you get all this false confidence. And you're like, this is going to explode. You just put it on the internet and people are going to use it, right? Um, we found out very quickly that that was not the case. We tried to do some you know, social media marketing around it. Word of mouth, we sent it through a lot of Kellogg people. Hey, send this out to your friends. Um, and we got literally zero customers, zero. So on the analytics on like Facebook analytics, for example, said we've reached like 20,000 people and not one person used it, which, you know, it's not, it's not a product where if you see it randomly on a, on a Facebook ad or something where you can just go, hey, it's cool, I want to buy it, you have to have the problem, which don't, those problems don't come up a lot. You know, some people aren't homeowners, your home doesn't break every day unless Yang builds it. Um, so, so it's interesting. So we really had to think, rethink, hey, let's stop spending money needlessly on social media marketing and really go try to find our customers. Well, our next idea was to, our customers are people that probably are going to hardware retail. We said, if you're gonna go work on a project at your house, you gotta go buy materials for that project. So we thought about hardware retail. Um, so we approached retailers, uh, for example, the Ace Hardware in, in the city. We talked to that owner. First, it was just like, a, hey, do you mind if we advertise? We can you know, potentially give a kickback for anything we get through your store. And that evolved into what we are today um, and what we're actually launching with, um, which is more of a, it's a retail strategy. We still have the same type of services we had before where you can go on our website and you know, book appointments and everything, but now we also have a subscription service for hardware retailers to use our services in the store through a kiosk. I love it. So you're figuring out the channels now. You're figuring out the right way to go. When, what was the, what was that, where was that Ace Hardware? Gold Coast, Maple Street. We went into a little closet room in the back of the store and he's like, all right, what do you guys got? He really had, I actually reached out to him through the comment section on his website. And he, you know, with a little stroke of luck, he responded and said, sure, I'll meet. So we got into that closet in the back and we sat there on folding chairs, me and Yang, and we pitched it to, uh, to him, told him what we were doing, and he was, he jumped right on board. So you're in this room, I talked to Gordon and Daddy Gordon, and they are like, yeah, let's do it. And what did you both do when you walked out of that ace? Were you like, all right, cool. Were you just pretty excited? And how did you tell your partners? I was excited enough to walk three miles home that day. <laughs> I walked from Gold Coast to the South Loop that day. Um, 
No, but it was pretty exciting. Um, you kind of, I will say, you know, as you know, being an entrepreneur yourself, you, you go through a lot of highs, a lot of lows. We were in a low at the time before that because, you know, obviously we had no, we weren't driving a ton of revenue. Um, so once we saw this, it was like that light, like, all right, here's our next thing. Let's try to drive this forward. Um, so it kind of, I think, gave a, a, a big boost to our, our confidence as a group. I know the other guys felt that as well. I mean, you know, when you work as a team, you can kind of sense the sense the despair sometimes. I think that really gave us a shot of, you know, insulin, so to say, and gave us some excitement. Yeah, it was exciting, but it was extraordinarily stressful. Because imagine us, we go into this store thinking like all we want really is, will you please advertise our service because our customers are coming to you first. Please advertise us. Just put some flyers at your counter, um, maybe like <clears throat> some word of mouth, put some cards in their shopping bags. Um, that's all we wanted. And he's like, well, I have this idea, like we need some knowledge in the stores. And what if you could be present in this store and help our customers troubleshoot issues that our floor associates can't? it's like, oh, wow, that's a really good idea. Haven't thought about this in the last couple months at all. Now we have to go figure out like what this means, map out the entire process. How does this integrate with our current services? Does it integrate with our services? And I, I don't know, I was really stressed out. It was, it was exciting, but it was super stressful. Wait, I need to backtrack, I need to pause you. June launch, and, yeah, when, when did you talk to this guy? We talked to him in I think it was April, end of April. We talked to him end of April. So you, you talked to this guy end of April, which is really May 1st, and you say, yeah, we can do this thing. We got this in a month. Yeah, and it, it was it was kind of crazy because we met with him five times between those periods. Like once a week we would meet with him, and we would talk about potential issues we might see, and he was awesome in the fact that he's like guys the only way we're going to figure this out is if we just do it you had 30 days to repivot almost everything sounds like yeah. turn the ship i had multiple panic attacks <laughs> throughout that time period super stressful when we return eric and yang tell us what they needed to do to get a supply of professionals pivot the entire user experience and get kiosks into local ace hardwares all in one month I'm John Lee, and you're listening to My Startup Journey. Try My UI is an online tool to have real users test your site. You put in a goal and watch as user clicks, double clicks, and moves throughout your site. Great way to fail fast for free at trymyui.com backslash edu backslash northwestern.edu. Hey, if you're an entrepreneur or working for a startup and you're looking to grow your business, stay organized, or help with presentations, you should probably listen right now. In this segment, we call this Entrepreneur Tools, and it's a chance for me to tell you about some cool tools that can help you do all that. So today we're going to be talking about usabilityhub.com. It's a great site that I use to test the user experience for my websites. How it works is you go on to usabilityhub.com, you pay about a dollar a credit per random testers and with these testers you can designate if you want them to be in a certain region age gender etc from there you can put up your site for five seconds take it away and see 
hey, what do users remember the most about my site? What you can also do is do a click heat map test. This allows you to see what are people clicking the most, and not only that, but how long does it take them to click something on my website? Lastly, what you can do is you can do a journey. You can say, I want to know how many people get to point A in my site. Okay, now how many people from there do the action B, and how many people do the action C? This allows you to see your funnel rate of how many people are doing the moves that you want them to do. Check out more on our partners and discounts page where you can see a discount for usability. If you're just tuning in, Eric, Yang, John, and Jeff just committed to redesigning Patch Pro's entire design and functionality in order to set up kiosks at Ace Hardware's. To give you context of what that means, not only did they have to redesign this site around users using it while in a store, but they also had to hook it up to Ace's inventory to show Ace products based on the home project. Not an easy task. Yeah, we had to do a whole new, it was a new channel for our business and we had to think about it and kind of analyze it from the start and it was. I know for a while there, you know, we were working very hard to try to figure this whole thing out and figure it out in a way to not make him think we weren't prepared to do it. You can't say, uh, we'll have to look into it. You say, yes, we can do it. We're, and then you go back and figure it out. And that's kind of what we did. So how'd you find these patch pros? Where'd you get them? So I have been tasked with recruiting our workforce. And that is probably one of the toughest things to do. One, because our workforce is on the older side. They're, they're like, you know, my dad's age. So number one, the technology aspect is, you know, foreign to some, very foreign to some. And also, you know, if someone's, you got to weigh like how much you're paying them versus their, you know, opportunity cost of what, what you're paying them versus what they could be doing, doing something else. Some are retired. You hear a lot of retired guys saying, I just like helping people. This sounds fun. It fills my, it'll fill my time. I can make some extra cash. Then you find some that are actually do, doing a ton of side jobs and they're like, uh, I really don't have time for this. Um, so primarily, you know, we did Craigslist job ads. Um, I even personally went into a lot of Home Depot stores and tried to talk to some of their older looking retired guys. See, I, I approach fire departments because I know a lot of those guys are part-time and do trades work and on the side. Um, basically anything I could think of. And, you know, we had the, probably the best luck through Craigslist ads because a lot of what I found was a lot of people who are retired, they'll just go on Craigslist and find people that need stuff done. It's It's crazy that I had no idea before how much Craigslist is utilized for certain things. I thought that was a thing of the past. It's not. People are on there all the time. So, and yeah, I would talk to these guys. They'd sign up. I'd meet with a lot of them in person, tell them what we're doing, um, help them get set up with our system. Um, it's been a lot of manual process right now. We've changed it a lot s since the beginning to a point where someone could do it themselves so we can kind of scale it. but. To start, it was very manual. So if it's these older people who are the patch pros and 
they're using a smartphone or a tablet, are you providing them with this or are you just teaching them? What's the, what's the use case on the side of the Patch Pro? Yeah, it's usually it's uh, using devices that they have themselves. Um, and for our first couple guys, I was doing test calls with them after Eric set them up. And it would be like, it kind of felt like they were FaceTiming their kids or something. Um, but parents FaceTiming kids is always incredibly awkward, right? Like you're looking at their forehead. So it'd be as simple as like, hey, this works, but maybe try moving your phone back a little bit and lean it against something so that I can see your whole face. And just figuring out like, what are the tips of having an effective um, communication via like a video type of chat? Because that's very different than in-person interactions. And these guys are incredibly great at in-person interactions because that's what they've done for 30, 40, 50 years. But, translating that into a virtual environment definitely had its challenges. Yeah, I'm, I'm so impressed that all four of you have developed a dual-side marketplace. Right, That's an extremely tough thing to do. It's not, it's not as easy as buy this thing, here's a customer, wipe my hands, call it a day. I need to find both now, and then I need to give every dollar I make, X has to go to this Patch Pro, X has to go to Ace, X has to go to uh, basic cost, and then we get the rest, which is even further. But, I mean, that's how Uber model works. That's how Lyft, everything else kind of does. It. So so the user experiences, I pick up, I, I go on your site, or let's say I go to Ace Hardware, and I say, hey, yeah. I, 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 some, something broke. I'll give you a perfect example. Yeah. I have my, my tub is not, is not draining. I don't know what to do. I don't really want to call someone because it's a lot of money. I just want to fix it. I think it's an easy fix. I don't know. Maybe I need a snake. I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. I go there. What happens? So you're going to talk to an ACE associate, uh, and they may or may not be able to help you. Um, and they'll direct you to the patch kiosk if you haven't seen it already. And you'll basically choose between chat now or chat later. Chat later being book an appointment for like an actual service appointment later in the time. And the kiosk is what? Um, what is that? It's basically like a tablet okay. sitting on the stand. Um, locked to the stand. You could take it around and move it around the store and bring it with you and chat with the pro as well. Very cool. So that happens. Pro tells me what I need. Well, the, the pro first figures out if this is something that you can do yourself. Because there are a lot of home repair things that you can do yourself. But then there are a lot of ones that you think you could do yourself. But really, that involves drilling like holes into the wall, retiling, etc. And as like a consumer, I would never know unless someone told me. And if you if you bring in a plumber, they're going to charge you $100 just to tell you this is a $20,000 project. Whereas with Patch, we're going to tell you for free, like, hey, this is not something you can do yourself. This is going to be a bigger task. You really need to find a contractor or someone. To do. Were, you, were you ever concerned that this is not going to work? And were you concerned about, all right, this is the call I'm going to make to shut this down or to just pull out of this if this doesn't happen? John, to be honest with you, I don't think like that. I... Completely, I'm, I literally don't think about how I'm going to fail. Like, you can't. You just got to go and keep pushing forward. And if if you fail, you fail. But it's not because you were thinking about failing the whole time. It's, you can't have the mindset of failure when you're trying to launch something like this because it, it, it'll just eat at you. So I personally never thought like that. And I try to instill into the team to not think like that either into you know think as big as possible at all times 
So that's what I try to do personally. Yang might there's be able to a, comment. <clears throat> there's a channel on our Slack called hashtag inspirational Eric because of that. Like his desire to drive forward and his excitement is honestly what's gotten us to continue moving forward because there's been a lot of stoppage points. In fact, we probably, if we look at our founders agreement again, which we probably should, um, I'm sure we have passed those stopping points that we self-defined up front that said if, if this happens or if this doesn't happen, we're going to call it. And I think because of Eric's energy and, and rightfully so, we've kind of just continued pushing forward. What have you taken from classes that have you have noticed this is what helped me directly with Patch Pro? Um, in, in new product, launch a new product or new venture discovery, they tell you to be focused and somewhat narrow um, in your initial scope because you, you have to do that and go deep and own that space. And when someone says, like, be focused and narrow in your startup, it's like, yeah, sure, that sounds like a no-brainer, duh. And we thought that we were focused and narrow by going down to four services, and holy hell, we were wrong because even with four, there are so many deep nuances about each type of like lighting need or whatever that we never thought about until we started getting deeper into the weeds talking to others. So that reminder to like start small or, or smart start narrow, I think was a really a thing that we've really taken to heart and I wish we actually took it more to heart when we even began. Yeah, we which is also the reason we tried to we narrowed our scope for for ACE in particular, we identified eight very specific topics that we were going to advertise with them that we help with. So, you know, it wasn't just a hodgepodge of home repair as this huge umbrella. Um, but yeah, that I definitely agree with you on that. The um, the narrow focus. It was at the beginning. It was so broad. It's hard to advertise and market with a broad with a broad uh, scope. Um, it's also the connections that <clears throat> our professors and, and Kellogg and even our classmates have been able to bring to us. So not only being having the legitimacy of saying, hey, we're a bunch of Kellogg students, uh, and this is like, we started this through the school, but now we're taking it forward. That gets us some like door openings. But even talking to professors and getting their feedback or getting access to their connections in the startup world in Chicago, it's been incredibly able. So if you could go back in time and redo this whole process, you all are meeting in New Venture Discovery again. You've, you've quit Travel App and you're going to work with them. What If you had to go back, what would you tell yourselves on what to focus on or how you would play the game differently? Don't get bogged down with small details that in the long run don't really matter. So... So this is one thing in particular that really bogged us down for like three months was this whole idea of um, liability and insurance in a new space. You know, it's you're trying to innovate in an area with the, within the constraints of what already exists, you know, in terms of like insurance in our, for our case. We sat there and just literally halted the entire thing, focusing on this one thing, when in the end, all we did was say, screw it. We're just going to move forward. Something happens, something happens, but we got to really focus on if this is a a test. If this is a um, what, is, what do you call it? If this is just a test to market, see if it's if this is even a viable business. Yeah, product market fit. Um, 
then we can't focus on that because that's not helping us see, figure that out. So we're just going to go, if it's product work fit, then sure, we'll, we're going to figure that out. And we eventually did. Um, but we just got bogged down on, on, on little things like that, that, that everyone just kind of stopped doing what they were doing until we figured it out. Yeah, and exactly because of that, <clears throat> we thought we understood how to acquire customers, and no, we did not at all. Like, we, I think we had like a very theoretical understanding of how they get customers, but we never really actually thought about the customer journey and where to reach them in the customer journey. And we overlooked that very important fact because we got so bogged down in addressing this liability issue, which is really important for us, but maybe shouldn't have been number one priority for the new startup. Probably should have been like number two. Right? I get this question all the time about where do I find time to do to do work? You know, we all work during the day and you have classes and whatnot. So for you and your team, you have four of you, right? How do you all find time or where do you find time is a better way to say it. Where do you find time to work on Patch Pro? And how much time? We struggle with that because part of it is we're all doing work on Patch Pro on our own schedules. And then being able to demonstrate the work that we're doing and working together, finding the time to show what we've done and work together is incredibly challenging. And we need those times together to like push forward on ideas. And that's been incredibly challenging. Yeah, I mean, we, we find obviously when we're together as a team, even better in person, we get so much done and so, so quickly, um, as opposed to putting a message in Slack and Get, then it gets read a couple hours later and things like that. But, you know, my general rule is, and I, if you want to do something, you will find time to do it, no matter what it, and John, I know how you are. You're insanely passionate about everything you do. So you find time to do it. Sure, you might be tired. Sure, you might be up later than you want it to be. You might, you know, neglect something else that's less important but you'll find time and that's how i personally do it yeah i mean i think for us what we've done is what are the times where we're on naturally together so kellogg saturdays um maybe we're on slightly different schedules but that lunch hour we can just carve out and even if it's just an hour or 45 minutes let's get together and do stuff and know what our kind of marching orders are immediately afterwards and then When's the next time we could do, oh, it's Monday night from like 9 to 11. It's got to be Monday night, 9 to 11. And it's true. The only way you're going to figure out the real problems is during experimentation. The only way to experiment in this is to actually put a kiosk in the store and see what happens. Um, so that's what we're doing. There you have it. That's Eric and Yang from Patch Pro talking about creating, testing, failing, and hustling. Currently, Patch Pro is set to launch in three Ace Hardwares in Chicago as a test, so if you have home projects and want to get good advice for free, go to an Ace and check out the Patch Pro tablet. For more information about what you might need to start up, check out our Kellogg Entrepreneurship and Venture Capital Club site. Alright, that's our show. We hope to catch you next time when you listen to My Startup Journey, but until then, keep dreaming. Is there a correct term I should be using? I don't want you to say handyman, because I'm we just call them patched professionals. That's like what when they come on our on our platform, patched professionals. Patch pros, patch bros. So the not bros. <laughs>